Hey everybody, it's Sapphire. Before we start season four, episode one with Walter Mayer, I have a big surprise for you. I am not hosting today's podcast. In fact, I'm not going to be hosting a lot of the podcasts this season as I take a step back to focus on my own film scoring and my own professional career. I know season four, Sapphire is like an adult now with like a full like real job and all this freelance work. It's insane. But I'm so excited to have Walter Mayer on the show today to talk about his work for Apple TV Plus's Liaison with guest host Nate Bryant, my intern over at Emmanuel Music, who is also a film scoring student at Berkeley. You guys are going to love this. They have an amazing dialogue, and I hope you tune into Apple TV Plus to watch Liaison when you get the chance. Let's get into it. Take it away, Nate. Wonderful. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Chatting with Creators. My name is Nathaniel Bryant, currently subbing in as host for Sapphire Toth, who is unfortunately able to join us today. Um, with us today, we have Walter Mayer, uh, an Austrian-born award-winning composer currently based in London, I believe, if I read correctly. Excellent. Um, Walter, how are you doing today? Hi, nice to be on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, I believe we are here today to talk about your most recent project, Liaison, on Apple TV+. Um, do you want to just say a few words about uh, what the show is about and how it was kind of initially composing the music and thinking of some themes for that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, it was superb because I was approached by director and producers, you know, to come up with ideas for the, for the kind of initial sketches for the show. And I know Eva Green is going to be in it. Vincent Cassell, amazing cast. Uh, the the audience is going to be like on their toes the entire time. We've got a love story underneath. We've got a thriller on top. Uh, crossing borders, the Syrian family coming in from Syria over Turkey into France and, and, and London, England. So there's so much at stakes all the time. So the music had to be kind of, you know, or be all encompassing and making sure that we capture that. And we have different themes for different kind of you know, storylines and, and all of that had to be taken into account. It was quite a, I don't want to say a challenge because I like a challenge, but it was quite, you know, a task to get an idea of how we should do that, how we should, you know, dissect each kind of layer of the story. Yeah, for sure. Um, with that being said, what do you think the thing about this project when first approached by the producers, what made you want to dive in and really work on this project? I was drawn into the story because it's so now, especially with, with the UK, where I live in London, have been withdrawn from the EU. Um, uh, the life after Brexit, uh, cyber espionage, you know, people being kind of more on the fence, um, you know, certain mechanisms are not in place anymore when it comes to crime investigation, when it comes to Interpol, because everything's a bit more secured now in the UK. So I felt the entire topic is so now and so current. And literally could happen to any country, even the biggest nation, America, with you know high security protocols. It could happen anywhere, and um, and then there's such a kind of beating heart to the story, which is the family that flees, and and one of the you know the partner has some very special information that's on the USB stick that only he can access, and then we have a love story underneath, and it's so different. I I, I was just drawn to the entire story and how we can make all of that kind of work in a, in a in a nice musical context. 
Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like there's a lot of really interesting interweaving story plots that might not necessarily be about the same thing, but are related in a broader sense of the word. That's interesting. Um, with that also being said, you've mentioned that it was not necessarily a challenge, but almost like a puzzle to try to figure out what kind of musical sounds and instrumentation orchestration works for each one of these story beats. Yeah. Um, how would you describe the overall instrumentation or orchestration of the so what general sound were you looking for to kind of capture mm -hmm. all of that that is a good question because that's the first question that i had and you know you talk to directors producers how do we see that how do you guys see that and in the end i was lucky that there was not much of a temp score so the idea is like do whatever you think is right present it to us and let me take it from there and i thought you know you know it's not just cliche but it makes sense to have kind of ethnic flutes for the Syrian family, the love story underneath. Uh, and I hired this amazing uh, flutist, Veronica, and she came in with a gazillion of different flutes, ethnic flutes, and we decided on the spot at Air Studios, which we want to, you know, pick and she just, you know, performed and played in different kind of variations and like, okay, that sounds amazing for, for the love theme of the family. And then we have got, uh, you know, the bad guys, and then it went quite modulations, electronic key, soundscapes, and then we have the the love story at heart between Eva Queen and Vincent Cassell. And for that, I went quite, I started with piano and strings, and then I realized that's just a basic composition. And then I need lots of tons of layers, like synthesizers, um, a beating kind of orchestra where I recorded the orchestra live and then, you know, mangle it through effects. So it sounds less than an orchestra has organic elements to it, but it's very different. I added some kick drums to that and electronic processing. And that's kind of the main theme now for our liaison. If you listen to the soundtrack, it's the first track on it. And it's this kind of growing, growing over two minutes kind of cacophony that ends abruptly. And then you're left with a, okay, where, how did you end up there? It's just kind of a thing is being added. An element is being added every, you know, eight hours, 16 hours, and then you end with this cacophony. And that was kind of the heart of the, of the story on a musical sense. Yeah. It sounds like you really nailed the, general progression of the story and writing in that one specific theme kind of encapsulating what the show will make you feel emotionally that's interesting um what tends to be your go-to in terms of somebody comes to you immediately with a project they say you do whatever you want what is your like go-to in terms of immediate compositional focus and is there anything in liaison that kind of brought you out of that comfort zone usually the entire process takes time you know you take a few weeks time two weeks if, if i can or longer if it's a feature film and there's more time in the beginning to just experiment with sounds with liaison i came in and it's like hey we are literally editing now we need a theme we need something in there like the thread and uh that kind of threw me into the deep end because the theme for me usually progresses naturally over the course of the of the scoring process. And in that case, I had to have the theme first and then the rest came from the theme. So, you know, I would say the stakes were kind of very high to, to nail the theme first, to come up with the idea and then to dissect and use those layers and kind of branch out and say, okay, the electronic side now becomes the, the thriller side and then the emotional heartbeat becomes the family. But that was kind of a throwing me into the deep end, but I love that because I'm always up for a challenge. And then when you work with sounds, you experiment with sounds, what comes up next, you don't quite know, but you have an idea. 
And, you know, I just sit down in piano, just play around within the studio. And eventually you have this melody, this motif, and, and you take it from there step by step. But I've learned not to shy away from writing a theme first, if, if, if it needs to be, because I did a feature after Liaison, and it was the same, like, hey, we need this big, big franchise theme now. And, and you know, that's how I started the next project. And now I'm not kind of scared anymore of that. Nice. So it kind of brought you into the idea of writing the theme first and then basing everything yeah. on the theme. If nice. it needs to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you said you had worked on another feature right after this that had a similar workflow process. How would you say that those two projects, at least, compare to some of the other stuff that you have worked on in the past, whether that be from an editing standpoint, a composition standpoint, working with producers or uh, sync people, any kind of realm you can think of? I, I think because of the nature of the different kind of uh, shows and medias that I work in. So I've got TV, film and video games. And um, I'm very kind of, you know, my backbone is film and TV, but I love games. So every few years I score a game and I happen to have fallen onto this kind of uh, lucky space where I just get some really interesting pictures and ideas for, for big AAA games. And what's nice is because you've got so much more time. It's like a luxury to have just to experiment and then send in ideas and then you don't hear maybe back for, for weeks or months and then, okay, now we need another batch of music and, and it just grows over time. So you have a lot of time to think and, and you dissect your ideas. And in TV, it's usually relentless. The minute you start, you have a bit of a creative phase, like let's say the first couple of weeks, and then it's literally go, go, go. You know, we need so much music. On a feature, I find it super interesting because everything is quite linear compared to a game, of course, but at the same time, um, it's only whatever, 100 minutes, 110, 150 minutes. So, you know, there's a set kind of length duration with a TV show just hours of music that you write over the course of time and it's great because you can reuse themes again the soundtrack becomes more cohesive because there's a lot going on in terms of not repetition but using a theme in a different kind of context you know each comes with their own kind of challenge but i, I love to be kind of challenged in different ways interesting um it sounds like there's a lot of pros and cons compared between movie tv and video game scoring would you say that you have a preference out of the three? Mm, no, and 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 that's just because I was so keen on becoming a film composer that I pursued this career the most. And then games just kind of fell into my lap, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so good! Uh, and now I wouldn't want to miss either. They are just, you know, it's nice to have a balance in uh, in life. And I definitely do more film and TV, but um, yeah, it's not for a specific reason other than. That's how it happens. I would completely agree. I'm actually a film scoring major at school in Boston. Nice. And yeah. a lot of stuff in my school isn't just now encapsulating like an equal ground with video games and film and kind of combining techniques from both worlds and yeah. more cooperative. I think it's really healthy. Um, totally. And I have to say the games at the moment, they're almost kind of helping the orchestras when there was time times, you know, when Maybe it was less live performances because of COVID, et cetera. Games were still at an all-time high because in you know, during the pandemic, people just played games or watched TV and film. And especially with games, some of the better, some the better, some of the more uh, more expensive games, expansive and expensive games for from a de development point of view, especially AAA games, they can afford going to Abbey Road to record in a big orchestra. And I think that's such a good way of you know keeping everyone busy and and kind of you know 
it, it just keeps the community active and and engaged and that's what i love about games because there's so many people working on it yeah absolutely it's a really collaborative sharing yeah. community i think um to kind of change pace a little bit go back to liaison because i know we're here to talk about that um even though i do love talking about video game scoring um while working on the show was there a moment or time where it stuck out to you as really exciting or your favorite part of the workflow if that makes sense mm -hmm. i think it is when you have found your feet you landed on your feet you understand what the themes are and how to go from episode one, which usually is like the biggest challenge, there's all the characters, all the storylines, they are kind of interwoven and you have to make sense of everything musically. And then you go into episode two and come three, you're like, yes, I got it now. I, you know, understand what I'm doing. You have to get a very good understanding. If there's any meetings with the team, producers, the execs, you know roughly what everyone is after. You feel very comfortable. And that's the moment where you have to kick yourself again and say, okay, let's not stay in a comfort zone. How can the score develop? And I like that because it's kind of the second phase, you know, first this kind of massive kind of peak you have to climb and then, you know, it gets steady and then you have to push yourself again because you want to keep the score alive and, and have it change throughout the show. And I like that because you have to come up with new ideas, maybe using themes and then just running them through analog vintage effects, whatever you have, just to kind of try to, to squeeze an extra life out of that or just scrap that and say, okay, I'm going to start the new idea from now because our scenery has changed. And I like that as well. It kind of, it's the, it's allowing yourself to restart the themes and kind of come up with new set of ideas, which usually gets easier as new characters are being introduced who need their own kind of thematic ideas. Do you find it difficult to create completely new thematic ideas after focusing on established themes for so long, or is that kind of natural coming up with uh, new musical content for that. I find it easier because you've got something to grasp onto. It's like this, this last straw that you had earlier. Now there's, there's quite a few straws in the wall in, in, in this, in this lake and, you know, it's easy to grab one of them and, and, and do something different. Um, so I really like this process because you, you've learned to swim, you've learned to kind of, you know, master navigation in this project, and then it's easier to branch out and also the confidence when you get to a new project, every person you meet is new. The entire storyline, everything is new. Uh, you have to learn so much in the beginning. It's almost like it's more psychological. Uh, yeah, like it's more like uh, psychology than writing because there's storylines, there's everything you need to understand, understand to dissect. So yeah, I quite like that stage. Interesting, cool. It seems like you're really into the whole challenge part of scoring, especially with liaison. It sounds like there's a lot of uh opportunities to kind of go out of your comfort zone and experiment with new ideas and yeah. things that won't necessarily be easy um which i think in a film scoring realm or a tv scoring realm a lot of the people who i've talked to or had small interviews with like yourself that's everyone's favorite part is what like why how can i solve this puzzle of what works and what doesn't work and how can i change everything around yeah this really appeals to me because on, on liaison as, as, as much as the projects before and after, I try to find something unique to the score. And uh, even with liaison, we went to Air Studios, the big Lindhurst Hall, and we had uh, 
for the first session only 25 players booked because you know it's it's big enough in the hall and i just wanted to record some more intimate yet uh all-encompassing kind of sounding soundscapes textures and patterns so i sat down with an orchestrator and came up with kind of weird sounding ideas at first just kind of screechy noises soundscapes um patterns to the wall for eight sixteen bars um just to find our feet and find a sonic language that we feel comfortable with and um by being more experimental like booking is almost like a workshop where you work with the players together um it creates something unique uh because otherwise if i just go to my you know my main setup here my computer and i write it uh, my door is logic so i'm gonna write everything there i i use the samples that i'm using you know you're just predefined in a very certain way of using the instruments that you have at your disposal and if you create completely new sounds from scratch you end up in a different place that you've never seen was impossible interesting um small thing but you mentioned that your daw is logic kind of two questions mm -hmm. based off of that um do you ever find that there's a need for other daws like pro tools or cubase and do you find that especially with the liaison because you mentioned trying to find a unique sound was it more or less helpful sitting in front of your with your normal setup compared to going out and getting into the studio with those 25 players and experimenting with new soundscapes, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, after having worked with Logic for such a long time, I know shortcuts and things like second nature. So I find it easy if I get information recorded, information like sound waves in that case, it's session players, it's strings. We did also brass and kind of piano and, and flutes, kind of all sorts of, of experiments. And then get it back in rendering out different layers and, and, and stems and having kind of, let's say, the jelly very close mic, medium and then wide, so I can even play with distances, throwing it all into my logic session where I'm very fast and kind of editing, chopping stuff up. Um, you know, it's just nice. And I think whatever door you use, it doesn't really matter if it's Cubase, Pro Tools, as long as you're fluent in it and it, and it works for you, it's fine. At the end, I have to deliver deliver stereo stems to my score mixer who then mixed the entire score in Dolby Atmos, um, which is the requirement for from Apple. So, you know, I work in stereo, I send out the stems, then we mix it up, we mix it properly into Atmos. Um, if I would have to do that now, I would definitely think about Portals as a second door where I print into and then mix it there. Yeah, that's for sure. That but it's sense. also an, an issue of luxury of time Sometimes you don't have the luxury to mix yourself and I like a, you know, another pair of ears to go over my stems and like over my mix and say, okay, well, you know, because we're mixing Atmos, we can place objects differently and that gives for, that makes for a very nice kind of listening experience. Um, in a perfect world, would you rather have someone always there to mix for you and mix with you, or would you rather have the majority of that process? also belong to you with the composition? Mm. So I would say I'm, I'm this generation who started out when samples were around that were good enough to use. So in, in, in it kind of, you know, almost like in this production world where people produce like amazing trailer production music libraries, uh, which sound hyper-processed and incredibly well. I'm not as good as in my templates, I'm in my, my kind of back, um, in my mockups, but they're very good in that that ilk to, to kind of create this kind of sonic landscape that I'm in. And if I combine it with a few live recorded sounds, and then I usually tend to do those kind of mixes myself early on, 
but I love, you know, the, the opportunity to just hand everything over the entire package, hand it to the school mix and make sure that also from a tech point of view, if there's any issues, uh, stem lineup, or, you know, something doesn't sync, the checkerboard AB kind of doesn't work perfectly, then there's a person, please ring him or her. And, and, you know, I can focus my time on revising cues that we might be recording tomorrow and the new edit just landed on my desk and I have to revise. And then I sit there with my assistant, like, okay, we quickly need to revise, maybe restructure, maybe kind of rewrite and then get, get it approved and then record tomorrow, which happens very often. So I have to be on top of that. And I'd rather do that than mix myself. It's just another set of skills, which I like and I have to a certain degree. But there are better ones, people who are much better in that. And so I rely on their expertise. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, when working on the show, you mentioned a lot of like a team kind of aspect. Um, did you find that it was easy to work with the team? And when it comes to executives and producers of the show from a non-creative point of view, did they tend to view the music and sound as equally as important as other factors or was it just kind of trusting the team and you with creating a product that will be good enough for the presentation what i think being the department head so the head of the departments as, as, as a composer means you have to overlook the entire process from the from the initial kind of sketches writing down to arrangement orchestration score prep and you know I want to make sure that I have experts in each department so that I can rely on writing the theme tunes, writing the score, writing the music, but I don't have to orchestrate myself, which I did in, the, in my early days. And there was a hard work because you, you always get an edit re revision by, I don't know, a week before the recording session, at which time the music had been signed off. And now you orchestrate yourself, you are up against it to change the music edit, yet you have to orchestrate yourself. So I think these were incredibly challenging times, especially if you score the entire feature yourself and there's no one to help you out. It's just kind of a, a humongous task. And now I feel so much more comfortable because if there's an edit change, if anything changes, if there's a change of direction, I'm like, okay, great. Um, I've got this person. She's the most amazing kind of flutist. I'm going to send her the parts. She can record in, in, in a different environment, send me recordings back. I can implement that. And then we deviate from a course that could have been electronic music into something that could be ethnic influenced with flutes or any other instruments and i think that's the strength of you know pulling a few strings making sure that everything happens and at the end of the day it's your head on the line you're responsible for what happens and for me i love to be in my studio and just write music 24 7. unfortunately as the career progresses that's not just the only duty you need to do other stuff as well and um yeah Interesting. Yeah. Um, especially for liaison, how long do you think it took you to kind of get a team of trustworthy people to make that whole creative process flow a lot easier? Because you had mentioned that you started doing everything yourself. What was the timeline like getting from that point to this point? I think, you know, you, you meet instrument players, some you resonate well. There is a few like, um, I don't know if you should mention anyone, but you know, there's, there's Richard Harwood, he's the principal cellist of the RPO. I met him long before he joined the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra and, and he did all my solo recordings on my scores. And, you know, you know, the strength 
of each individual person you go into a studio you book it in it doesn't have to be the biggest flashy studio you just there to jam and play with my ideas and just kind of improvise and kind of add some improvisations around the idea and and that you know it takes years of time to get there uh you know to assemble the, the best players instrument at there this is amazing guy thomas from from vienna and he literally hand builds instruments for me uh like i had two movies done and he he himself built an instrument for me like one is the was for till death uh the the millennium film with megan fox a dark thriller and um he built the contragardi I think call it contragardia, yeah, which is a, the mixture of a hardigardia and a double bass, a contrabass. So it has this big massive corpus and then strings from, from, from a double bass and it has the engine, the rotation movement from, from a hardigardia. And that created sounds that I could have never have, you know, visualized or con con contextualized. And with that instrument, you know, it, it, it became a very specific score. And I like that. I like collaborators on that level where you, you can still kind of change the sound of the entire score and kind of find the right nuances that you need. Totally. That's fascinating. The creation of the instruments I would have never, I still can't conceptualize what a controversy might sound like, but I'm <laughs> incredibly curious now. I want to look that up um, when the interview is over, but that's very cool. Um, you had mentioned that when you bring these players that you trust into the studio, there's often a lot of improvisation and just playing around with ideas. I know a lot of composers prefer to go into the studio with a set idea and record exactly what they have in mind. Do you think you prefer that kind of loose throwing ideas out there and seeing what sticks or coming in with a very regimented uh, plan of what to record? I think the soloists would come to the studio quite early on. They would literally come to my studio and we would first, you know, I would throw out an idea. Here's kind of printed out of logic, so it looks horrible. It's not a Sibelius file or anything. And we would just look at it and like, okay, yeah, it's nice. Maybe add a few ornaments here and there. And, you know, just kind of usual things, usual suspects like, you know, play with Sultasto, play with Sultpont, just trying out different kind of playing techniques where you where the, the bow on the string kind of hits. Is it closer to the top or the bottom, to the neck, wherever we play, it creates a different sound. And once we found that sound that I'm after, then, <clears throat> excuse me, then I'm presenting the theme to the producers, director, and get feedback. And as soon as we know roughly that that is the right direction, then I book musicians, then we go into a proper studio, like a bigger studio, we have all the musicians in there and then it's been done properly and properly orchestrated. Before then, it's just kind of a, an early sketch phase. I don't want to have too many musicians kind of witnessing my mad uh, kind of creation process. <clears throat> but once we get to the big studio, it's all kind of notated. There's no kind of chance for for any fluctuation or for, for any errors. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of differing between yeah. more intimate recording sessions and more yeah, totally. larger kind of more uh, broad. Fascinating, yeah. Um, I believe we are getting close to the time limit. I have one or two more questions, um, just kind of based around other projects that you might be working on and anything you'd want to promote or say further about liaison. Um, first, what are, well, as I already said, what are some other projects that you have coming up uh, after liaison that are soon to be released or that you are currently working on that you'd like to mention today? Um, I'm just in the, in the in the finishing process of the bricklayer, which is a 
uh, high stakes espionage. Uh, high stakes espionage, espionage drama was actually years on, but it's it's a thriller and it's it's it is high stakes and it's a very action thriller with um, Aaron Eckert and Nina Dobrev and directed by Rennie Harlin, who directed uh, Die Hard Two and and Cliffhanger. So you know he's a very established Hollywood director and has a certain kind of expectation of the score. And it was it was great working with him. Like electronics are in there, big thematic ideas are in there. Uh, everything is recorded live with the Lush Orchestra. And then um, next up is a very large video game that I can't say what it is at this point. It's going to be released at some point. And when it is, then you know, that's the game that I, yeah. Nice. I will definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, really quickly, you mentioned the Hollywood director. Do you often work with people overseas? And is that somewhat difficult trying to communicate and create with you and the director and members of the team being in a completely different location? I usually go to LA a few times a year, you know, sometimes meetings, sometimes it's a mixture of pleasure and holiday. And, um, but usually when the project starts, you know, it could be just a chemistry meeting beforehand, but when the, when the meeting starts, I mean, when the project starts, people might be different time zones because they might do the post-production in London, which means they're here in my kind of hometown now, or they might be in Los Angeles, they might be in Australia. And I think since COVID, we've all learned how to work with Zoom, kind of Google Hangout and all kind of different apps that we have. So I think at this point, it's not that much of an issue. And I've done quite a few movies where it was actually quite good from a time point of view. You jump on a call, you're very precise, you have your meeting, you take the meeting off, switch off, and then you go back into writing. And uh, you don't even need to to kind of leave your comforts on the studio. So it's, it's, it's very efficient in a way, but at the same time, I kind of missed it. So I'm glad we are back to having normal meetings. You know, the chemistry tells you a lot if you're sitting in the same room and you have the, the first time you play the director, your music. That's a nerve-wracking experience each and every time. And you just sit there and like you feel temperature in the room and exact producers might be here. And you're like, oh my God, please break the silence. Do you like, it? you know, this entire process is always the same. And I love being in the same vicinity, in the same place. And that makes it a lot easier. Yeah, that also sounds a little more exciting rather than like hearing feedback in an email like yeah. In, yeah. in the moment and actually seeing like live reactions. I can totally understand that. Um, one last question just for fun. What tends to be your favorite uh, genre of film or TV or game to work on? I know you've expressed a lot of interest in Liaison because of its combination of thriller and um, action movie and love story, all of these aspects combined. But if you had to choose one, what would be your favorite? Uh, it's a thriller. Just there's so much kind of scope to do. Uh, it can go into thriller slash horror, which means musically you, you can be super creative. There's literally no limits. Um, I like the thriller with a science fiction aspect because then it means musically you can do something a bit more, maybe electronic key, bring in some different vibes. And I've just done a, a science fiction film called Tim. Um, it's a great film and it didn't want to be sounding like a typical sci-fi film. Therefore, I incorporated lots of organic textures, singing voices, different techniques, playing on the cello in a different way, just to keep the sound very organic within a science fiction context. Very cool. So thriller, and then we deviate into the darker or kind of, you know, the other side. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's awesome. 
Um, well, I think we are slightly over, but that's no worries. Um, would you like to say where people can find Liaison and other projects that you've worked on or where they can stream or download your music? Oh, totally. Yes, please. Um, if you go to waltermare.com, um, you can find projects of mine 